Although bringing in the new year can be exciting, some of you are probably sad that Christmas is over. I know I am. But all of you are even more sad that our top 10 picks of 2023 two-part episodes are over. Fear not, listeners. We will be sharing our holiday leftovers on this episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Attention planet Earth and beyond. Stay tuned for Attack of the Killer What? Happy New Year! What better way to start out 2024 than hanging out with us here at Attack of the Killer Podcast? We just got done with our two-part top 10 of 2023 episodes. Well, we each watched a lot of films, mm. but there was so many great films from last year that not all of us got to see. So, for our first show of the new year... Jason, Tad, and myself each picked a film from our top tens that the other two guys hadn't seen. I guess it's a chance for us to prove that uh, we have good taste in our top tens, I guess. Uh, validate our, our picks. I guess we'll see. Uh, this is episode 304, and we're calling it Holiday Leftovers. Yeah, so if this is your first time listening to the show, Attack of the Killer Podcast, it's a horror movie podcast. A group of friends, we get together, we hang out, and we talk about horror movies. We pick a topic and discuss movies within that topic. We're all just friends hanging out, so there's probably going to be spoilers. You've been warned. This is If you like the show, we could use your support. You can donate to our Patreon, and when you do, you become part of the Attack of the Killer podcast family known as being an attacker. As an attacker, you have the ability to get so many perks, such as bonus episodes, our various YouTube shows, your own membership card certificate and sticker, get original artwork by me, you could get a t-shirt, exclusive invites to our chat, Attack of the Killer chat, monthly horror hangouts, and even watch parties. You can either get shout-outs on the show and the website, just like these super awesome, cool, super awesome, the cool superest. people. Yeah, like right Tim- here. Timothy Lennerer, Roman Doppelfeld, Larry Watanabe, Brett Royer, Seth Key, Jessica Irish, Chris Cook, Brian Godsell, Stephen Sitter, Brandy Moore, Andrew Moeller, Rod Hutchinson, Carmen DeHaig, Abraham Moreno, Andrew Bentler, Casey Kellerman, Tony Miller, Mike Clayton, Rose Talashoma, Abe Kirshner, Lisa Cavalier, Holly Berg, Bill Fisher, Emily Randolph, Greg Diedrich, and Dallas Paris. What a list! That is an amazing list, and you can be part of that list too. All you have to go do, all you have to do, is go to jointheattackers.com, pick the tier of your choice, and you can become an attacker. That site again is jointheattackers.com. Breaking news in Attack of the Killer podcast land. Jason, turn it over to you. Oh, what's is this about that cool new thing? That's it is about the cool new thing. Sweeping the internets. It's called AOTKP.com or Attack of the Killer Podcast.com. Oh, there's just a new website. Just wanted to tell everybody about it. It's the same old fun, cool stuff you love about going to this to hang out with us on the internet, but it just looks different. <laughs> I should have prepared. 
<laughs> That's AOT. <laughs> hey, check out our new website. Just I just worked on it, and I wanted to tell people about it. That's all. That's Thanks. right. Check out the website, AOTKP.com. It's really cool. It's like uh, the coolest website ever. That is po- probably true. All <laughs> right. And now it is time to introduce you to the podcast crew. At the restaurant the other night, the waitress asked if he wanted to, if he wanted a box for his leftovers. He said no, but he'd wrestle for them. Tad. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. <laughs> he keeps eating all of his holiday leftovers right out of the fridge. He said it's really hard to quit cold turkey. Jason. <laughs> Hey everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. We're glad to be here in a new year, and uh, it's awesome to be here. A new year with all new jokes by me! Oh, goody. I don't know how new those are. <laughs> so, it's been a while since we've recorded last, and yeah. I bet you're wondering what we watched during our break. Well, here's Tad with What We Watched. Yeah, so I guess I can lift the curtain a little bit, and you guys know that we just wrapped up our two-part end-of-the-year top ten list, so we recorded that in one night, so it's been like a month since it recorded, so <laughs> one I hope we've all month. gotten yeah, some stuff actually watched, but I mean, it is a bit of a burnout when you, you know, we tend to cram a little bit. I did. I think we all did a little better this year, Yeah, uh, being le- a little less competitive and more about focusing on things we actually <laughs> felt were, might make our top 10 list. Maybe you were um, but, <laughs> but Jason, what did you watch? Oh, man. Well, here's the thing, guys. I I kept her going. Like, maybe not so much horror, but I've been, I've been watching a lot of stuff. And I've been looking here trying to narrow it down. Oh, my gosh. Um, I watched the new Indiana Jones movie in the Dial of Destiny. Oh, yeah, I freaking loved it. Surprise. Compare compare it to Crystal Skull. Well, here's He the probably thing. loved Crystal Skull. That's right. I <laughs> I I remember liking it. I I mean Just, it's I remember forever, it, don't remember. Yeah, I remember going like what? What's everybody so butthurt about? This is great. I love Shia LaBeouf and uh, Honestly, great. I don't get it either, but I've also not been a hardcore Jonesman. Sure. Me neither. They're good movies. And I like Harrison Ford and all, but. Yeah. It's I don't not my get franchise it. of choice. I don't get it. I don't know. I just, I, I, I liked it a lot. thought it was a great, uh, it's a amazing way to finish the series. So I'm glad it got that. Is it finished? I thought I heard they're going to do another one or maybe I smoke a crack again. No. You do love that crack. I don't know. It's good. I, it's risky to do another movie. I mean, I know the last one, but like to have Spielberg not direct it, and yeah, I don't know. That's that's what sort of turned me off from it. But I also am like Mike, where I this and Star Wars, like I just don't hold them close to my heart. So I didn't really see the. I was not upset about Crystal Skull. I was like, it's fine. 
it's an entertaining, stupid popcorn movie like the others, and people are going to get pissed when I say that. But uh, well, I, I thought this one was way better than that. I just don't hold them in high regard. Like uh, so many of my yep. peers are, like they're the best adventure films of all time. I'm like that's <clears throat> yeah, okay. Yeah, James Mangold, he directed this. He he killed it. It was awesome. Uh, speaking of, so the internet hated it, I guess. Is that what you're saying? No, I think you can put whatever movie title right in front of that phrase you just said, and it applies every right. time. I just, yeah, they couldn't have hated it more than Crystal Skull. Nope. <laughs> um, all right, well, I'll do two more that are probably uh, crazy adventure films. That throw a, uh, throw a couple extras in there, man. It's, yeah, it's a new we year. Forgot, we got them piled well, up, man. Uh, Rebel Moon. Part one, A Child of Fire. Yeah, it's how was Zack that? Snyder's new movie on Netflix. I fucking loved it. It was great. I've been in such a like a fantasy sci-fi adventure mood this whole break. Cool. And, um, I mean, I won't talk about them, but I went through and, and watched all the Hobbit movies again. I was just nice. Like, I just got talking with Michelle. We were talking about some old books that I used to read, um, some the Dragonlance books, and she likes those. And we just got talking about fantasy things, and I was like, "Man, fucking watching all this shit." So Rebel Moon, I I loved it. I thought That's, it was great. I'm happy that someone liked it. Oh no, Did you, you watch didn't? it. I didn't watch it. No, but you're the oh. first person I've heard say anything nice about it. Um, oh, that's crazy. This. It's so oh, fun. God damn uh, it, sucks. It's just people I know were saying it, but oh, uh, yeah. also I, I did see someone. I guess this is not a negative thing. They said this movie has the lowest percent of body fat ever. Like there's like <laughs> oh, basically saying there's like no, absolutely no filler, no oh, character oh, development. Okay. It's just like a hundred percent. Here it is, action in your face. No. It's just like, there it is. There's a lot like, of, so I, I think I heard after the fact, I didn't, because I didn't know before. That it was before, a Star Wars movie. That it was originally Star Wars. And then I was like, oh, okay, I can kind of see oh, it now. Was it? And, uh, but dude, I think, I mean, if you and Simon watched it together, I think you'd like it because, well, yeah, it is very Star Wars-y, and, but like, they do the like, we got to go defeat this bad guy and do this thing. Let's assemble the crew along the way. Nice. So it's putting the Justice League of, <laughs> of assholes together, of just badass people to fight the rebels, you know, it's, or the Empire. And uh, I just think it's exciting that trying to create a new IP. It's yeah, like, I'm who so, fucking cares that it's not Star Wars? Let it yeah. be its own thing. Can we have some new things? Because eventually you. it's going to be like, there's not going to be anything left uh, to milk. Exactly. So for that, I thought it was wonderfully action-packed and awesome. Um, I watched The Creator. Another... That very looks sci awesome. Very sci-fi film. It was also really, really, really good. I do want to see that. I wish I regret not seeing that in the theater because the visuals. Yeah. It looks fucking awesome. Yep, directed by Gareth Edwards. He did uh, Godzilla. He did Monsters, uh, Rogue One. I mean, yeah, it's sci-fi awesomeness. Um, it uh, yep, 
It was great. Um, I liked it a lot. Um, is there any things on here I didn't like? No. <laughs> you spend, you know, an hour trying to pick a movie. You're like, I'm going to make sure this is good before I push play. Yeah. I want to fucking like it. Yeah. I watched a super fucking sad, amazing movie called A Good Person, directed by Zach Braff. And I believe oh, it's A24. Oh, with Florence Pugh? Yep. <laughs> What's that? Fl- Florence Pugh. Pew. Right. pew, pew, pew. Yeah, she's great. Morgan Freeman, uh, Molly Shannon is in it. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it, I think it was on Prime. Um, Allison's life falls apart following her involvement in a fatal accident. The unlikely, Sounds right up your fucking alley. Uh, the unlikely relationship she forms with her would-be would have been father-in-law helps her live a life worth living. Oh, so straight drama, but I was I, I loved. Uh, I was so happy that Zach Braff was back in the director's chair. Yeah, I was just saying it's prefer him on that side of the camera. Now, come on, I had to watch another fucking T-Mobile commercial with that. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a point there, dude. Scrubs is amazing. Shut your face. Scrubs is amazing, but yeah, those T-Mobile commercials—they're hilarious. We get—it's like more Scrubs. <laughs> um, I can't remember if I talked about Killers of the Flower Moon. No, you didn't. Oh, Tell no. us about it. It was great. It could have been longer. Shut up! I, I could have. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was. Rod's never heard of it, so shut up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's uh, you know, this film by uh, Justin's new pal Martin Scorsese. Heard of him? Never heard of him. Uh, yeah, yeah. What's he done? Uh, well, just some something about a taxi. Uh, it's this stars uh, <laughs> Leo, the Leo, uh, Robert De Niro, Jesse Plemons. Is this Epstein's list or the cast? Come on now, that's not released at the moment of this recording. <laughs> that comes We're out tomorrow. Sued. Sorry, bleep that. Bleep that out. It's got Lithgow and Fraser. Anyway, it's star studded. It's. Just a western set in the twenties. Okay, thank you. Do you say as as Fraser like that Fraser? Uh, from Fraser, Brendan. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> My first thought too was Kelsey was Kelsey Grammer. Yeah, I would have said Grammer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, you know. Uh, from Seinfeld. Oh my God! So when oil was discovered in nineteen twenties, Oklahoma. Under Osage Nation land, the Osage people are murdered one by one until the FBI steps in to unravel the mystery. Here's where our podcast is superior to all others. I can't wait to hear this. Because I've heard nothing about this effing movie for months. Okay. On other shows, internet, whatever. You're the first person that's explained to me what the F this movie's about. (laughs) All I've ever heard is like, the new Scorsese, and it's too long. That's all I've ever heard. Oh, it's not. Well, or, you know, yeah. Yeah. That that it's a lengthy. It's it's an investment in your time. But- But that's it. You're the first person in months that has actually explained to me what the freaking story is. I didn't even know it was a Western. Well, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's kind of a Western. It's, um, Leo comes back from war and he finds like his uncle who's, uh, you know, uh, that one guy, uh, De Niro, who kind of runs this town that's kind of like taking advantage of these Indians. 
And these Indians actually found this oil. And so the Indians are actually fucking loaded. Rich, like the richest people in the U.S. are these people, these Indians. But then De Niro and these white guys come in, move into their town, and start taking advantage of all the Indians and mm. marrying them and then killing them and getting their oh my. their money. You know, like oh, yeah. doing people that. Getting real big mad about it. Not necessarily the movie, but the story. Yeah, for sure. And De Niro, or, uh, the, DiCaprio kind of is – De Niro picks out a – the wealthiest in town for DiCaprio and but then like you know like kind of fall in love a little bit and but then like but then he's in a tough spot and does he follow through with it does he a lot of bad shit happens so it, it feels like a western because it's just set in a small little 1920s okay I was gonna town, ask the actual time you know period. horse okay, horse drawn mm. carriages and shit you know you're Everything's on a fire and there's no electricity really, so it feels like that. And then with the a lot of a lot of awesome Indian culture stuff built in, which I always love, and yeah, so it's just a great uh, epic story about De Niro in this town and the power struggle with oil and money and white folks and I think Indians. it's based on a book. Yeah. It's fantastic, and again, I it doesn't feel like whatever three hours or whatever it is. It's, but it's on my list, it's and I'm looking at my list, and I haven't checked anything off of it because I have Killers of a Flower Moon, <laughs> The Maestro, Bo is Afraid, and Oppenheimer, and they're all fucking three plus hours. And that's make my, a fucking ninety minute movie, somebody uh, please. I all just, right, I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, but <sighs> I wish they were longer. See, that's the, that's the th- I love Scorsese, but I haven't pulled the trigger yet because as much as i love scorsese not all of his stuff i'm into and i had no clue what this was about so i thank you for helping mm-hmm. me i mean i'll see it and i loved you know the irishman once i sat down and watched it but if i get off work i cook i eat dinner i don't have three hours before bed <laughs> like I, I have to like fucking put it on my calendar to watch one of this mo- one of these movies so or two other movies it's the same. Yeah, thing. I'm not watching two other movies <laughs> in one night, so no, like I never, I, I rarely watch more than one movie a day. So, yeah. Anyways, what else you watch? Um, I wa- I've been watching. I'm just my brain's like I, maybe there's something wrong with me because like I I get to movies and I'm it's time to watch something and I'm like it's harder for me to pick out a movie where like I. I start going more to shows because I'll like, this show's going to be 10 hours. Like, finally, a story I can sink my teeth into. And uh, I know that makes y'all your buttholes pucker, but. No, I, I, I've been watching more shows because I can do them in one hour or less segments. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. You, maybe, you, maybe you I just. A, you can have a cutoff point and come back to it. You know? Yeah. Maybe Scorsese needs to do miniseries. So it's more about. Your time convenience, not so much about they're too long because they're too long. Correct. I don't mind a three-hour movie. I just don't have three hours at one sitting. So, like, when they did, uh, what was the Tarantino Hateful Eight, when Netflix re-edited into into a miniseries, I was like, this is so much better for me. I love this. Yeah. But anyways. Um... I finally 
I didn't force myself, but, you know, because it was like one of Andy's favorite shows and shows that I always equated with Andy, it was hard to watch the newest season mm. of uh, Dark Side of the Ring. Yeah. It's so on Hulu now. I've been putting it off and... But yeah, now it's all out, and I finally sat down, and I'm like, gosh dang, these are great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so good. Yeah. Um, there's some other shit I can't think of. I didn't write them down, so I can't think of them. Oh, I watched. Don't you have uh, Letterboxd? Well, TV shows aren't really on there. Oh, okay. On Apple TV, there's one called Invasion. You would like this. Um, it's a, a ten, This first season's 10 episodes, but it's fucking kind of... It's obviously about an alien invasion, and it takes like five uh, groups of people or five people from mm. all over the world. Oh. And this shows, it's pretty much in real time. Cool. And so, like, it's the end of the fifth season, uh, the fifth episode. So, five hours in, and then our characters finally learn that there's aliens. <laughs> like, oh, wow. Like, it's happening, and shit's going wrong, and yeah. shit's getting fucked up. But, like, but you know, one of the one of the stories takes place in Japan, so that part's in subtitles because they speak in J- Japanese. You know, so it's really neat. You know, like do they meet up? I don't know. Do the storylines cross? M- maybe a little, but you know, like that's part of the. Like, how could they? These all over the world. But then the uh, the real time aspect of it was really neat. Uh, yeah, I was called Invasion. Then I started watching one called For All. I'm just in the sci-fi crazy movie to watch one called for all mankind also on um apple tv it's basically just a, a sci-fi drama like what if the russians landed on the moon before the united states and how would that have impacted impacted the space race and the history and and it's just a neat and i love all that i could watch apollo 13 like every fucking day <laughs> i've never seen movie. it Dude, seen it? are you kidding? We're gonna resurrect first time. Yeah, just so or can, first time. Or uh, what's the other one with Ben Affleck? I, that's a Armageddon movie? doesn't count. That doesn't count. That's d- Armageddon. Yeah, I've never seen that. Yeah, we're talking about real things that happened. <laughs> I don't. I, I, how, how would I know? I didn't see it, Jason. God damn it, Ted. <laughs> when we're done here, Apollo thirteen, Ron Howard, Tom Hanks. It's magical. Anyway, that's enough of my <laughs> shenanigans. Let me check my list really quick. Uh, yeah, that's there's things, but yeah. All right, Mike, what have you watched? All right, so, Goodness. um, well, where to start? Uh, you know, spent uh, a good chunk of Christmas, Simon's Christmas break, um, showing a movie, so. We watched Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness back-to-back. I figured, I mean, we'll get to Evil Dead 1 eventually, but, like, I knew he'd appreciate 2, and and it's like I told him, it's like, you don't have to see 1 to get 2, because 2 is almost half a remake of Part 1. Yep. Same thing. But, dudes, have you ever, I don't know, it could be one of three things. It's been that long since I've watched those movies. 2... You kind of when you're when you're introducing say you're introducing somebody to movies that you love for the for their first time, and you're watching them with them. Maybe your eye gets a little more critical because you're just nervous of whether or not you're, they're going to like it. You see it different for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Or three, 
I've never watched these movies back to back before, but have you guys ever watched two and gone straight into Army of Darkness? They are so. I mean, you you, you know they're they're completely different, they're different movies, totally and everything. But I don't think you realize just how different unless you watch them back to back. If it wasn't for Bruce Campbell, you wouldn't think they'd be part of the same cinematic universe at all, yeah. at all. I mean, there's like. It's all comedy in Army of Darkness. I mean, granted, Evil Dead 2 is a lot of comedy, but it still still has the horror, tries to bring the horror, but there's none of that in Army of Darkness whatsoever. And even gets just even sillier and goofier than Evil Dead 2. And I'm not saying anything new here, but oh my goodness, it's just so night and day when you watch them back to back like that. Glad we didn't do all three, because that would have been... And did he like three better than two? I don't think I got uh, which one you like better kind okay. of thing. I think he appreciates it as a whole. Okay. You know, because it's, all, it's all about Ash, right? That's right. <clears throat> so, so there's that. And then, you know, I showed him some other movies. You know, I remember back in the day he really liked Airplane. So I wanted to show him more movies in that vein. So we watched uh, the first Naked Gun movie. I haven't seen that in forever. And he liked it. thought it was funny. Um you know, uh, I, I realized uh, after watching Naked Gun for the first time in decades on why those movies haven't been, like, canceled because of O.J. Simpson is because O.J. Simpson just gets tortured through the entire movie. His whole character is just to be beaten up on, and I think that's why, <laughs> that's why those movies are still okay, because um, it's very cathartic. Uh, and then so... And then we went into ba- basketball. I wanted to show him basketball so bad, and he really liked that one too. Yeah, was a little nervous. That's that one, that one's that one's a little on the yeah. There's some there's, swinging things in that movie. I remembered that, um, and I thought that'd be okay because it's basically a blur across the screen. You, it's implied, and it's, and it's not it's not as prominent as I think oh, you think it is. But okay. uh, well, except for there is one shot between the legs where it's just this long shaft all the way down. Yeah. Um, but That's so good. Oh my god, I forgot there's so much male butt in that movie. Yeah, there's a ton of male butt in that movie. Good. No, no female nudity. Which, if you go back and watch all of Trey Parker and Matt Stone's movies, they do that. Like, yeah. all of their movies have male nudity in them. And it's way more funny. Yeah, what makes people more uncomfortable? Well, it's like orgasmo. Every time a girl's yep. about ready to take her top off, some guy steps in front of the camera with his bare ass, and it's very intended, and it's hilarious. So, But I was worried at some of the politically incorrectness and stereotypes yeah. that are in that movie that you know might upset him, but it didn't. He still thought it was funny, and I think he gets it, that he gets that... Uh, Times were different. Well, not just times were different, but I always felt like those stereotypes that they're pointing out in the in this movie are making fun of pointing out stereotypes. If that if right. that makes sense, they're self aware of the stereotypes. Like yeah. they know that they're, they're they're making fun of the stereotypes rather than like being the stereotype. Yeah, exactly, exactly. All right, so getting into some of the new stuff I've seen, um, uh, couldn't help myself. We watched Good Burger too. I need to see that too. Nikki watched it without me. So, uh, you guys know any good divorce lawyers? <laughs> it's been forever since I've seen the first one. So, and my knee jerk reaction is that the first one is far superior. But I also, while watching Good Burger 2, kept having to remind myself it's like, oh, yeah, 
this is a Nickelode a goofy '90s Nickelodeon property, and, and so it has that has that through the whole movie, and you kind of forget that uh, you can't take any of it seriously. Uh, but it was good seeing those guys doing their thing again. This cow um, looks sort of weird, right? I mean, like no. they—I think they put too much makeup on him or something. He looks really weird in the trailer. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, like he. And he, I don't remember his voice like being f- filter. I don't remember his voice being that gravelly either. It's all those cigarettes he's been. Yeah, maybe. But Tad, I mean, isn't that like your time frame? Shouldn't you yeah, have been in? Yeah, um, a little, a little after me, uh. but Nikki, like. You know, she, I mean, I did grow up watching that stuff, but it was like, I was like probably a few, maybe three or four years ahead of it. So it was like, right. It's like perfect for Nikki. She loved all that stuff. I was, uh, I had two older siblings, so I didn't really get the remote. Right. No. Yeah. I watched stuff that I wasn't supposed to be watching. (laughs) (laughs) And then on New Year's Day, we watched Barbie. Yay. I got to see that. And it's awesome. It is. Yeah. It is. Did you see it, Jason? Oh, yeah. Okay, I can't remember if you did or not. Loved it. Yep. Very, very funny. Very good. Uh, we watched, um, it's been a while since I've watched this one, so it's been a while since we've recorded, but I watched that uh, Melissa McCarthy movie, Genie, and it's okay. It's got some funny stuff, but I. it almost felt like this was like supposed to be like a Lifetime movie or a Hallmark movie. It, it felt like it kind of had that production value and uh, plot holes and, <laughs> and what happened to her, man? Strip. Like, seems like she fell off real fast. Like she was like the it funny girl for a long time, and then just crap. You can only for a while. do so many of those movies that she. Did. I know. I mean, she, was, she they had the Will oh. Ferrell effect too. He yeah. he played the like idiot in basket. He, he's like. He became like the earnest. It was like, let's put him in a basketball movie. Let's put him in a NASCAR movie. Let's put him in, you know, whatever. And and people got tired of it, so he had to take a break. And was it the female Ghostbusters movie? Because it feels like all oh, of those maybe. girls didn't yeah. do, hasn't done a whole heck of a lot since, since then. then. Yeah. I mean, they all pop up and still good stuff from time to time. I mean, again, Barbie's got what's her face in it. Kate McKinnon. Yeah. Yeah. As weird Barbie and um, <laughs> and uh, so Leslie, good. what's the what's the? Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. She hasn't. What's she done? She was she was in um, that she, that Tiki Tati series. Uh, Our flag means death. Okay, she's a recurring character in that, and she's really good in that. Um, but yeah, so Jeannie's just okay. Could it could have used like about another. 12 passes at the script and <laughs> feels like there's chunks of storyline and information missing and plot holes and whatnot. And again, it felt a little on the cheap side. So it don't, it felt like it, it felt more like a lifetime movie to me. Um, what else do I want to bring up? Uh, I guess other than that, I've been watching, uh, what I just remembered. I was meant to comment earlier, uh, Speaking of letterbox, you finally figure out how to get your picture on there. Did I? Oh my god! Really? You don't even know? I saw it. It probably auto updated or something. It must have because he didn't. Oh, it connected to his Facebook. Did you actually do it? You don't even. (laughs) I think I did. I'm trying to remember what I even put. I did figure it out. Yeah, I remember. Oh yeah, I remember. 
<laughs> yeah, that's from the church in uh, Children of the Corn. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, sorry. I remember doing that. Uh, the last thing I'll bring up is, um, you know, I am so stupid obsessed with Rick and Morty, so I've been trying to watch as much of the new season as I can. Uh, I don't have cable, so I don't have comedy, or I don't have a Cartoon Network live to watch anything Adult Swim, but I have the Adult Swim app. And this season, like... They will play, they will allow you to watch the previous week's episode. So I'm like two episodes still to go to finish off the season. But you got to watch it quick on there because then they start locking them up after. Mm. So right now you can only watch like the first episode. They haven't put a lock on that yet in the, in the last two or three episodes, but the others they've, they've shut down. So, so we've been watching it uh, every time the next one comes out on that that following like monday and and it's still great i don't you know i know there's all this controversy amongst fans about replacing the voice actor um getting different voice actors for rick and morty but i think they do a good job and it's to me it's no different than when uh when you know brian henson had to take over for his father uh, when when Jim Henson passed away for Kermit, you know, it's a little off, but it, you know, you get used to it. And, you know, what makes those characters um, so unique is in the writing and that's still there. So that's what's important. Anyway, that's what I watched. Cool. I wonder what Tad watched. I watched all kinds of stuff. Um, Family Prove Switch, <laughs> Family Switch on Netflix, a new movie with Jennifer Gardner and oh. Ed Helms, a Christmas oh, yeah. body switch movie by is it oh, McG? Is that the director's name that did the Babysitter and Yep, McG. Yeah, uh, it was awful. Uh, <laughs> I wa- we watched it because Weezer's in it. Oh, um, and they might. I mean, even Weezer couldn't save it, and Weezer's pretty bad in it. Um, just really, I mean, it's, it's not made for me. It's made for a family kids movie, and it's just so corny. But like, basically, it's your typical family all too busy for each other, and everybody's going through their own thing, and they accidentally wish that they were each other, and they wake up the next morning, and dad is the son, and mom is the daughter, and the dog is the baby, and <laughs> hilarity ensues oh, yeah. as they as they realize each other's worth. You know, like, oh, mom has a really hard job, and my daughter's social life is really tough and whatever. It's fucking awful. Don't watch it. Um, <laughs> saw the Iron Claw in theaters. Ah. Uh, fuck, man. Like, so sad. Even knowing the story from the show Jason mentioned earlier, Dark Side of the Ring. Um, A24 put this out. Uh, what a tragic family, a tragic story. Uh thought of Andy the whole time because we had when it got announced he was really excited for it because he knew the Von Eric story and to see A24 a serious studio tackling it with actual uh great writing and directing and acting uh fuck go see this man like Jason mm-hmm. have you you haven't seen it yet no uh I think Holt McCallany he's from uh Mindhunter Oh yeah, the uh, older detective he plays the dad Von Eric, and he is unbelievable in this. Uh, just a scary, serious, uh, 
dark man. Um, Jeremy Allen White, who played Lip on uh, Shameless and is in The Bear. He he plays one of the Von Erics. Uh, we also have Zac Efron. Uh, and then we have Lily James, who's like the new fucking chameleon. Um, what What's his name that's in like... I'm drawing a blank here. This is so stupid. He's in like... Harry Potter and Hannibal and uh, True Romance and Gary Oldman. She's like the female <laughs> Gary Oldman because I watched this whole movie and I'm like, she looks so familiar. And then I had to look it up. I'm like, it's fucking Lily James. Like she, she, everything she's in, she's she's so good and so yeah. hot, but she looks different in every movie. Um, but yeah, this movie, holy shit, like amazing. Everyone that you don't have to like wrestling. Like Nikki did not grow up watching wrestling. She did not know anything of the story. She, it broke her heart. She loved the movie. Go see it. Uh, saw P2 for the first time. It was a Christmas horror movie. That's been on my list forever that I've never checked out. Have you guys seen it? I assume. Nope. No, never have. I even own it on DVD and it's one of those that maybe we should do a, Yeah. episode on yeah because i was I, you know i didn't it didn't make waves when it came out all the way back in 2007 but uh it's sort of become like a cult classic now like people really talk it up and it was on shutter for christmas so i threw it on and really enjoyed it i highly recommend checking it out it's like you like it mike because it's essentially one location yeah only a, only a few actors uh set during christmas really simple really liked it uh i watched a lot of the christmas staples i watched uh dial code santa claus christmas evil national lampoons <laughs> christmas black christmas both 2006 and 1974 home alone um, but one new another new horror christmas movie some there's something in the barn Oh, um, yeah. oh, I've been seeing yeah ads for that or like I watched that on Christmas night. I don't know if this one, this one might have. I don't know. It, could, it at least would have been an honorable mention if I'd seen it before we recorded. Hmm. Um, really fun. It has uh, Martin Starr, yay, as the dad, oh, which shit. is like he's getting old enough to play a dad now. But the story's pretty simple. But I think you guys would love the shit out of this because it's a horror comedy. Um, an American family fulfills their dream of moving back to their roots after inheriting a remote cabin in the mountains of Norway, but there's a surprise waiting for them. So they, Martin Starr's dad, he has um, two kids and a wife. They, a family member they didn't know dies, and so he gets his house in Norway. So they move there, sight unseen. Um, really beautiful house, but the locals are all weird. And it's pretty fun and innocent until, like, the little boy discovers there's these gnome elf things living in their barn. Um, so he asks a local about it, and it's like, yeah, you just leave them porridge, and they will. you just have to feed them, and they'll leave you alone. You leave them alone. You just feed them, and all is good. But uh, Martin Starr tries to bring in, like, American Christmas to the neighborhood, and he ends up eating the porridge, and things go bad and it turns out these little elves are fucking if you don't feed them their porridge it's bad <laughs> and it's 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 a horror comedy it's a blast practical effects these little elves are awesome uh tons of fun this is really i, I was thinking it was going to be like a tubi original like <laughs> shit <laughs> but it was it was actually really good i'm 
not even sure who put it out if it's like an IFC or what it is, but it's really good. I really I really enjoy it and recommend it. Uh, then I saw, let's see. The other one I saw, yeah, one more is The Holdovers. Um, oh, yeah. Directed by Alexander Payne and starring Paul Giamatti. Basically, he plays a college instructor who, at this small private school, like one teacher or staff member every Christmas gets picked to stick around with the holdovers, which are the students who don't get to travel home for Christmas. And they're in charge of those students, and none of the teachers want to do it. But he gets picked because he's like a lonely, curmudgeon asshole that none of the other teachers like. No one likes him. The students don't like him. He's a hard ass. He's an asshole. He thinks he's better than everyone. But he's single and alone and has no family or friends, so he gets to stay for Christmas. And slowly he gets to know the student pretty well. They go back and forth and sort of find an understanding. And also um, the campus cook sticks around. She's like a chef, uh, cafeteria lady. <clears throat> Uh, and really, really good. Again, just set in the seventies, really cool. I don't know how they do this, but they make, uh, him like have this weird, like lazy eye, Paul Giamatti. Mm, yeah. And they must have to do it like digitally or something, but it's such a weird thing. Cause it's like very noticeable, but also so subtle that it's like, they could have done without it. And I've just, the whole time I'm just wondering, how did they do this? How did they do this? And I go on letterboxd. And the first review I see is from um, Joe Lynch. And he's like, how the fuck did they do that with Paul Giamatti's eye? I kept looking at it the whole movie. <laughs> and I'm like, exactly. Uh, but really, really good. Just, Jason, you would hi- you would love this one. Yeah, I've, I've seen it around. I've thought about it's, clicking on it. It's on Peacock. Yep. Um, but I think you would really like it because it's a character study. And it's it's dramatic, but also funny. You know, there's heavy moments. Uh but there's a lot of really laugh-out-loud moments. Paul Giamatti is going to win an Oscar for this one. Whoa, cool. Yeah, I think he's oh, he's got it. He is so good in this, and he is a lovable asshole uh, that you sort of relate with and feel for at times, but also, like, you feel for your students who sort of hate him, too, and it, I don't know. It, I really, really liked it. It's fun. Check it out. It's on Peacock, and that's what I watched. All right. Cool. Thanks, Ted. So, again, what we're doing for this episode is each of us has picked a movie from our top ten lists that the other two has not seen. So let's find out if we agree with each other's picks as we begin with Tad. What is your movie for from your top ten list? Well, I also wanted to say a little more of an explanation because I, I threw this idea out there because... We watched, like, between us, like, we all watched, like, close to 40-ish movies, each of us, for this this year-end episode, and we talk about 10 of them. So I was like, we got to get some mileage out of this. And then also, you know, we all, we all usually watch the same movies. And so I thought, well, there's, there's, each of us have at least one movie in our top 10s that we haven't, that the others haven't seen. We should all watch them to get each other's opinions on maybe that would have made, maybe not. Maybe you're crazy, maybe not. But, you know, this this brings us more together. I thought it was a it's sort of a fun way to continue this and get more 
so, so that we didn't just watch these to watch them because everything has to be content. But anyways, yeah, let's my, make sure we like answer the question: Would it have made your top ten if you just seen it? Yeah, I'm, I'm okay. curious. Um, so my pick is an obvious one because it's the only one in my top ten that you two hadn't seen, and it was because it was only in theaters when we recorded, but now it's streaming, and it's Eli Roth's Thanksgiving. I've got plenty to be thankful for. I need a small, I buy them all at the five and ten cent store. Oh, I've got plenty to be thankful for. I used to love this town. Until what happened that night. Tomorrow's Thanksgiving, and I'm tired of pretending like everything is normal and it's not. I want things to go back to normal, too. Show some enthusiasm. Thanksgiving is an institution here. straight off a Thanksgiving table. I don't want to spend my life looking over my shoulder. We need to stop him. to be a very happy Thanksgiving. Let's see. Man, lots of one-liners in that trailer. <laughs> um, after a Black Friday riot ends in tragedy, a mysterious Thanksgiving-inspired killer terrorizes Plymouth, Massachusetts, the birthplace of the holiday. Picking off residents one by one, what begins as random revenge killings are soon revealed to be part of a larger, sinister holiday plan. Will the town uncover the killer and survive the holidays or become guests at his twisted holiday dinner table? So, obviously, if you're listening to this, you probably know about this movie. It was a uh, huge success at the box office. It's been like 17 years in the making, even longer, um, because Eli Roth thought of this when he was a kid with his writer, Jeff Rendell, who is a stuntman who's never written anything. Um, he actually, like, him and Eli were our childhood friends, and they were like, they grew up watching Thanksgiving and April Fool's Day and Halloween, or not, they didn't grow up watching Thanksgiving, but they grew up watching uh, all the holiday horrors, Black Christmas, and they were like, why isn't there a Thanksgiving? And so they grew up to be filmmakers and made thanksgiving uh based on you know we saw a trailer like 17 years ago and 
Grindhouse. And we finally, finally, finally got a feature length movie. Um, obviously, I picked up my top 10 and discussed it and talked about it on the previous episode. I think it was my number two film. Uh, I just, maybe I'm just, you know, it, it's the uh, the holiday, holiday horror guy. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I'm, ex- I'm as excited as as Eli is that we finally have one because I want one for every holiday. Uh, but I'm I'm a little nervous to hear what you guys think. Specifically, Jason. <laughs> well, here we go. I'll get it out of the way. Uh, it's No, it's not bad, Ted. But let me preface this with lots of preamble before I get to it. Um, is this your number 10 on top 10? No. Where you take forever to... <laughs> yeah, kind of. Well, I, I wanted to say first that I typically will happily go on record saying I am no fan at all of a short film being turned into a feature film. Oh. It's never appealed to me. I've never liked it. I've never encouraged it. I've never... I'm not saying I don't get it. I just... It's just never appealed to me. I'm just like, do something new. Just move on. Just do do something. And because the majority of the time, to me, it feels like it's like I don't. When something's condensed, it's better. It just is. Especially with film, the fat's gone. And and a lot of times when something's turned into a feature, it feels. But there's not stretched. a short of this. Hmm. There's not a short of this. So. There's a trailer, same thing. I'm saying I'm calling it the same thing. Okay, so a movie shouldn't have trailers is what you're saying. No. <laughs> it's a short film. It's a trailer. It's the same thing. It's, it's not it's, though. It's fine. Let him let him finish. I want to hear where this is going. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I forgot. Oh god damn it. Well You don't like shorts being adapted. That right, being cause, said, because a lot of fe- they feel stretched out and they don't you know, this the story isn't inspired it's you know the good stuff was in the trailer or short film um and i honestly i hadn't seen the trailer in 17 years since that one really long movie grindhouse came out that had this in the middle of it (laughs) that's for that's for yeah who knows for some people um, <laughs> so like, I basically, I mean, I'd forgotten most of all of it. So, but I wanted to say, so to the movie, it's weird. Cause it kind of did the opposite. I, I really didn't like the opening like that. The opening scene. Yes. All that supermarket stuff. I kind of hated it. The black Friday, the black Friday stuff. It just, I kind of just hated all of that. That was very, that was like the most Eli Roth the film got was that opening scene I felt. It was, yeah, it was just so, it was just a little very, too cheesy. Well, with too him, forced, too. I've always had like a love-hate thing with Eli Roth myself because it feels like his, he writes like a 12-year-old. Like <laughs> his characters are so immature and you don't like anybody and they're, yeah. and whatever. And, but that's where I felt like this rewatching it. The opening scene was like him giving into his temptations. And then yep. he had poise after we got that over with. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. And then everything after that intro, I really did like, I thought it was pretty kick-ass. It, a lot of fun kills and a lot of whodunits. And, you know, it was just your typical teen slasher fun one after that. And, um, the kill the, you know, I, 
I don't think it's a trend. It doesn't matter. The 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 pilgrim is scary. A mask like that. It's a cool look. It's a cool look. You know, it's um, yeah. We have a new franchise, a new slasher franchise. Yay! It's all we wanted. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Gina Gershon at least was in the beginning. I mean, yeah, she's yeah. still easy on the eyes. She is, and she it was great. But yeah, I just yeah, it was just a little too cheesy in the beginning. I mean, little, I get it. And then I went uh, back. Oh, and then the only part I didn't like in the actual main part of the movie, talk about being forced, and I didn't remember it because it was in the trailer. But the whole uh, no leftovers thing when they. When you had this, that moment in the movie, there will be no leftovers. Fucking, that one, uh, yes, it was yeah. the dumbest goddamn thing I've it's ever. It's almost heard. as bad as like, do your thing, cuz when they slide the. That's off. not true. That's the best part of that movie. <laughs> I, I just knew I had to hit you right in the oh, balls of that. God, um, I'm not attacking you, Ted. <laughs> but here's the thing: I thought was genius about it was you know the whole trailer thing. I was like, how are they going to do this? Because they showed all the best things in the trailer forever ago, and he said. Uh, it, it's actually in the trivia. He basically said, like, we're going to have to go in and pretend that Thanksgiving was a movie that came, that was filmed in the 80s and they lost the original print and they burned it and it doesn't exist and we're starting over and it's modern because he did not want to go make it look like a grindhouse film set in the sure. 80s or anything. Which I figure really, both you guys would appreciate that. Yeah. Abs- yeah. But but they still did a but watching this first and then going back and watching the trailer I'm like oh he he recreated every scene from that trailer and it was great yeah it felt like for me it felt like if if the original trailer was an was an actual movie this was the remake of it and here's exactly the quote sorry Mike because you, okay. you hit it right there he says we said. Let's pretend Thanksgiving was a movie from 1980 that was so offensive that every print was destroyed, all the scripts were burned, the director disappeared, the crew members changed their names, one person saved the trailer and uploaded it to the darkest corners of 4chan, and now it's made it's made it out. So in 2023, this is a reboot. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. and and you know, much like say when they did Silent Night, um which technically is a remake of Silent Night, Deadly Night. So much of that movie is universally different from Silent Night, Deadly Night, but you still have an iconic scene with somebody being impaled the on deer antlers. Was there. So it's the same thing. He's like it, those those moments in that trailer that the gorehounds and fanboys would expect to see in Thanksgiving. He didn't just copy it. It was almost like homages to those original original scenes because they were different enough, but you knew where it came from. So, yeah, well, I ended up liking it a lot. But just, yeah, I was just at the beginning. I'm like, come on. But, yeah, it was good. It was good. I liked it. Well, I loved it. Of course you did. Loved this movie. I'm a, I've, I've always been a fan of Eli Roth. There isn't very many from his filmography that I dislike. But what I love is, like, how the world has turned on Eli Roth, yeah. and for some of the same things that Tad was saying about his um, schoolboy dialogue, his uh, frat boy dialogue that he has a tendency <laughs> to write, that there is not very many 
likable characters from beginning that that you like from the beginning of the movie to the end of the movie. It's like honestly none, except for maybe the female protagonist. But even then, I feel like she has has a moment here and there. So at the same time, you don't you're not downright a hundred percent disgusted and hate a lot of these characters like you do in maybe other Eli Roth movies. So that so that frat boy dialogue is really held back. It felt more realistic on the dialogue side and not written to be hip teenager uh, talk. <laughs> um, and even like the main jock asshole that you hate, that you're supposed to hate, even he has a moment here and there yeah. of, of redemption. The biggest redeeming character in the whole movie is the dad that owns the store. Like, first of all, if you've seen that guy in other Eli Roth movies, you automatically hate him when you see his his puffy cheeks show up on the screen. Yep, from, just just from association. From hostile, from hostile, so yeah. good in this. Yep, but uh, but he yeah he's great in this. But he has a redemption arc. Yeah. yeah, the most hated character in this movie has a redemption arc, as opposed to other Eli Roth movies, where your main protagonist character that you are supposed to like doesn't have an arc at all. Maybe even goes backwards but so kudos on all of that for for giving me a group of characters that i can hate and sympathize with and maybe even connect with on different levels throughout the entire movie and not just one asshole character here and there written to just be an asshole character that you hope will die you know a lot of times that's what you get and, and slashers especially Characters that are just written to be awful just so we can cheer their death. Um, I will talk about the beginning of the movie. I loved it, but I discovered, and I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. I discovered something about 2023 in movies with me is my theme for 2023 is watching movies at the most inappropriate time of what I've got going on in my life. It started with Knock, knock at the Cabin. When I watched that movie right before I a day a day before I had to fly, right, right, <laughs> and this one I watched the day before like the day before Christmas Eve. I'm like, okay, that was not that was not crazy, crazy for retail the, workers. The yeah. anxiety of that opening <laughs> scene of anybody who's worked in retail. Yes, it's over the top. It's little, way over the little, top. Thank you. But it's got it's got it's it's got some cool kills in it sure. in that opening scene. And it also is the motivator for the whole movie, so you got to have death in it, even though that is extreme, extreme, extreme cases when it comes to something like Black Friday. And, I mean, I can, I can pick that whole opening apart as well, because, like, okay, it's a small town, yet there's this super awesome retail store that people are that every tearing each other apart. Town must be there for. If not more, you know, that parking lot has got to be past the capacity of the population of that town, the way they try. And and I had that kind of like thought process while watching the movies. How many movies have we watched with small towns being all three of us growing up in small towns of things that go on in these towns or things that these towns have that uh, would never, we would, that would never be in a small town. Like, their own TV station, uh, you know, so, you know crap on. like that, <laughs> you know. So, so having a mega mart store, first of all, in this retail world, 
to be an independent owner of a mega no. million dollar retail store. No, that that doesn't exist. And then in this small town, no, that w- that would never exist. Where no one owns a toaster oven, so then it must be the <laughs> yeah. most prized prize. Well, see, here's the thing with me watching that. I was like, this is outdated because like it feels like Black Friday. I mean, they did do the whole like. You know, this is now Black Friday's move to Thanksgiving, which is true. It has evolved to that. And now it's like a week before. So it's like hard to keep up with that. But it felt like people don't do this anymore, like fight over the no. stuff. But then, but then, like, I was in Minnesota this year for Thanksgiving with, at my brother's place. My brother-in-law was staying there, too. And my brother-in-law and all of my, my niece and my two nephews woke up at 4 a.m., to go to Farm Fleet or some stupid fucking store because they're giving away a free stuffed pig to the first, like, 200 people. They got there an hour before doors opened, and there was there was 500 people in line. Jesus Christ. At a local Farm Fleet store for a free stuffed pig. So I'm like, maybe that is still happening. There's still some of it, but it's not what it used to be at yeah. all. Speaking as somebody in retail... That perception of Black Friday is is almost completely gone at this point. Yeah, it's not it's not the same thing because it's like you said, deals start the week before. Um, online has changed a lot of online shopping has changed a lot of that. People don't do we didn't do doorbusters, and I don't know if anybody did doorbusters in in my area. I don't think Walmart had any doorbusters. So uh, yeah, and we, that's the stuff that causes the trouble is right is doorbuster when, stuff. It's been like. 16 15 16 years since i worked retail and when i left like black friday was still that way not obviously i didn't see like anybody die but it still was definitely like wild people like i remember arguing over like i did not want to be the person to unlock the door because people were assholes and they're pushing (laughs) on it uh so my friend john got to and uh we would all be in the front and and like it was like running the bulls. We'd unlocked a door and then like we'd run to our department, like full on sprint because the people were coming, but we wanted to see it, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and again, that, that doesn't really happen much anymore. Um, but I, w- so my defense of the opening scene is that somebody who has been in retail for as long as I have, who's basically seen the whole evolution of black Friday from being, uh, it's it's a busy shopping day to utter madness to like oh it's it's a you know it's a busier shopping day seeing that whole evolution go there's still you know it's still a busier day uh and it's the start of a busier season where more you're dealing with more traffic you're dealing with more people you're dealing in a retail world where there's you know going to be there's less payroll you know there's there's less people working um, and you know, you're dealing with, you know, higher tensions, making sure we get that Christmas gift. Uh, you know, all that stuff is, all that stuff is still a reality. It's not as extreme as it was, you know, back in the day with black Friday, but it carries over through two months worth of, of stress. So as somebody in retail, that whole opening scene being over the top, I feel like. It's cartoony and over the top, but at the same time, you kind—that's kind of how you feel when you're in it. Yeah. You know, it's, I don't think it's necessarily. Um, re- it's not realistic, 
but being in retail, that's how you feel sometimes. Like you're metaphorically getting trampled on. It made me laugh in some of the, you know, like gnarly scalping and like arm breaking and neck slitting and glass, you know, cutting people. That was, you know, I love watching gore and people, but, uh, the whole, like, it's both a surprise and a bit, like, the uh, gr- one things I didn't love about it was, like, the anti-capitalist side of it. That was obviously not at all. They had to have a motivation. They didn't have to have a motivation in the trailer. You know, it was just a guy killing. There was no- none of this anti-capitalist, anti-retail message behind it. Um, so they had to come up with something for a feature length film. So they added that whole, like people died at this store and who could be out for revenge because of this, um, type thing. And part of me is like, that's really smart. Cause it is a, a way to make a full story out of it. But also like the whole anti-capitalist saying is sort of cringy and cheesy in this way, in this movie, yeah. at least just oh, because yeah. it's like, is that you really that mad about like a black Friday riot that you're going to kill teenagers one by one um but again like (laughs) watching it again you know uh, i don't know i still love it i still love the movie still so stoked that we have a new franchise and i do still think like jason i I really did see the same thing jason did this time around where i'm like this opening is sort of like what we expect out of eli roth we have the boston characters that are all Wicked smart, pissa, you know, like screaming at each other, uh, you know, a bunch of fucking assholes, kids entitled. Um, and then once we get into the story, uh, I really felt like then it's, it's, it's like right after the opening title, which is like that cool drippy red font, uh, 70 style. Then it goes into a non Eli Roth movie. It's like he, it's like Eli wrote that first scene to get out of his system. And then his partner, Jeff wrote the rest of the movie. Cause it felt like the rest of the movie felt like so restrained for Eli. And, and that's maybe why some Eli Roth fans are like, I don't know. And I think I, I'm always been split on Eli. I fucking love cabin fever, love hostile one and two did not yes. love green inferno and knock knock. Um, but you know, I, I saw Cabin Fever in theaters, and I was like, "This uh-huh. guy's gonna be the next horror guy." I fucking loved it, still do. And so, and I'll see everything he puts out. And to me, this is like a more mature, um, better Eli Roth. This might be like, yeah, th- I, I, in the right direction. I'm happy with it. I'm stoked. It's like the other guy wrote most of the movie until you get to the kills, and then it's like yeah. Eli Roth is like, "Stand back, let me have the pen," because those <laughs> kills are freaking awesome in this. Yeah. Oh, some cool, cool gore, very brutal. I just, I love the, I love with, right away with the, with the waitress, the the girl that works at the diner or whatever, and. He free he sticks her face to the freezer door gets her face wet yeah. sticks it to the freezer door to stick her there so he could kill I'm like that's awesome, awesome. Yeah. and when he he slowly cooks the lady that's gnarly he's oh. like buttering her up yeah oh. and he he puts his mask on top of the oven and that little scene's cool just because it like shows how hot that oven is it's a different way of showing it yeah yep. where he like yep. picks it up and looks at himself in the mirror and half of the face is singed it's like. That was uh, really just a way to make him look cool and more menacing, mm-hmm. but it, it also was a smart way to like show how hot that oven is without just having it steaming. You know, I don't know. It, it, little things like that I fucking loved about it. Uh, yeah. 
And yeah, the kills were really cool. The one thing I that really sort of everyone when I saw it in theaters was questioning was like the the scene where they're in like a barber shop in the school. It's like high schools don't fucking have like oh with all the mannequin heads and stuff. Yeah, it's like do I, oh. I mean high schools don't have like a class bar, like for... classes for cosmetology. But uh, uh, little I, towns do tell. reading reading know. through the yeah, trivia or exactly well, reading through the trivia. What happened? That scene was not in the script, and they get there and they're shooting this movie. And Eli's like, "This school has a cosmetology room. We should use that." And I'm like, "Don't do that." Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh so but it does it exist. Yeah, it's just it, it's extremely rare and stands out. Right, and and it didn't take me out by any means, but it was just sort of like. I remember my friend Sam, who we were watching a movie with, she was like, she's a teacher, and she's like, where is, is like, the <laughs> East Coast, they just have, like, fucking, like, barber shops in the high school? Of course, it's a huge high school, and the the guy the, that was, like, the graduate that was holding the parties and selling the guns and shit, he was, he was a little over the top. Uh, yeah, he was, a, he was an Eli Roth character. You know? Yeah, but he calmed down after a bit too. You know, he was like one of those. It's like he was an eye rolling character at first, but then when he's actually when like, shit hit the fan, yeah, yeah, he really had to grow up and help the kids out. Yeah, yeah. And I liked that he took like he's like I have to give everybody the scenes from the trailer, but I'm gonna switch them up on you. Like, yeah. how do, how do we do this parade? You know, and uh-huh. it was it yeah. was like a, a way to bait the killer. That was smart. Um, you know, the the I, I did feel the trampoline scene was definitely shoehorned in because it's like a gym. Yeah. Changed, it, I thought he yeah. changed all the kills in cool ways. And maybe yeah, better. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, was, but I get yeah. what you're saying though. It it's like right. it, the, the motivation for jumping up on this trampoline <laughs> is is. Not there, just like in the original trailer, right? <laughs> right. Like, like we why just are you doing this? we didn't even get names of these characters. They literally <laughs> True. we go into yeah. we go into a gym. They're lifting weights, and it's like let's go fuck, and so they die. Which I mean, that sticks to the absolute horror trope of slashers in the eighties. Like yeah. that's we would get to know a character right before they died. So, uh, but I just I, I'm. I just I think I'm just so stoked that like he figured out a way to it actually hit the screen finally after all these years and it's yeah. not horrible and no. uh it's, it's it's something I'll watch every year on Thanksgiving. It's a lot of fun. He made it modern, which is cool. Like that was a risk. He could have just been like I'm just going to set it in the 70s like the tra- or the 80s like the trailer and nope, he did his own thing and good on him cuz it banked and now he has yes. his own little horror franchise so. Yes, I'm so happy so happy i have one one last thing i want to bring up and maybe and maybe i'm stretching and you guys can help me out here so the one blonde girl that gets killed in her own house you know her and her dad are gonna skip yeah well not russian but um um i'm forgetting the country now is that do you is that character like a nod or a connected character you think from the hostile movies because his character seemed really out of place too <laughs> the dad like yeah the dad, around the dad with the headphones yeah the big buff like obviously like mobster guy or something yeah it's like i don't know is that him <laughs> supposed to be is that him trying to connect hostile or i don't know yeah that's a good question because it seemed like <laughs> i didn't even really like remember that girl hanging out with them and then the dad comes to pick him up at the school and they're like you know, oh, her dad's going to take her back to whatever country they're from. 
you know, yeah. and she'll never like get out. And I was like, wait, who is she? Where is this dad from? Like I was a little bit thrown off, especially and again on this re and I will say even at the beginning that the actual scene where they're eating Thanksgiving and learning how everyone's related to each other. Even the second time I was a little confused because in that first scene where the, sheriff shows up for the dinner or whatever yeah yeah i, I was too i'm like is even, even the second time i was like i'm gonna pay attention and figure out these relationships and it's like i was still confused because the guy's like oh he's making me work on thanksgiving you mean the guy sitting at the head of the table right in front of you that owns the store isn't he making you work on thanksgiving <laughs> i don't yeah. get i still don't really quite get what i missed but uh Tim Dillon made me laugh, and I loved that he let the cat, like, he pet the cat. I love that. We all cheered in the theater when that happened. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I was going to put that on my notes, and I forgot. I thought that was, uh, that's that's a a cool killer moment that ranks right up there with Jason <coughs> Voorhees having the common courtesy to take the, the tea kettle off of the stove. <laughs> and Tim Dillon is, like, a really funny stand-up comedian. He plays that character, and... I think the most tense moment of the movie is him looking for his passport because we've all been there like, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck. And I'm like, oh, God, he's going to get it. And then uh, and then he feeds the cat and pets it on his way out. I love it. That was one of those moments, too. I'm glad you brought that up, too. I needed to take better notes. I don't need to. I just got Ted to remind me of things. Um, oh. When he's looking for the passport, that felt that yeah, that felt like such a relatable, realistic moment, yeah. especially the fact that he looks in the same two in the same place like two or three times and we've all done that <laughs> where we constantly just keep going back to the same spot like because it has we have to no fuck idea here yeah. Yeah. There. yeah yeah like how the fuck did i do this how does this this cannot be happening right now and you, you know you we know as an audience what's happening and I, you almost feel for him even though he's a real piece of shit you know he's an <laughs> asshole he's like i'm a security guard i kill people every day <laughs> <laughs> But he was definitely like one of the you know most Bostonian guys with his, with his accent and yeah. saying he, he must have said fuck forty times in that five minute. Scene. Oh yeah. So Jason, uh, answering the question, I'm looking at my top ten. Gosh, I don't. I I liked it. It it would have it would have made the honorable mentions for sure. But that's it, honorable mentions. Yeah. Well, I, I don't think it could have made it in i'm just gonna come out and say it it would have gone to number one whoa yep. wow. that's how much i loved it i mean i'm a sucker for slashers but i also I, I also appreciate the fact that it's doing something different in a slasher genre you know it's not you know i love the slashers from the 80s but it's not doing a straight homage or rip off of the 80s stuff and it's not. It doesn't feel like modern slashers like Scream. It feels like it's its own thing, and I really appreciate uh, for what it was doing. And the gore is cool. Nice, nice, and, nice. And Ted, I'm assuming it made your top ten. It was his. Oh, that's right. Number two. Number two. <laughs> um, what trivia do you have for this one? Uh, let's see. Eli Roth, I had to put this in there. Eli Roth said the cat in the movie was such a good actor and performer and performed on cue that he called him Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> <laughs> the, the real name of the cat is Tonic, and he previously starred in Pet Cemetery 2019. Oh. Um, and 
Amanda Barker, who played Lizzie, is actually from Hanover, Massachusetts, and she is the ninth great niece of the real John Carver. Her accent in the movie is genuine. Oh, nice. Uh, This is the first horror movie to be distributed by TriStar Pictures since the Evil Dead reboot in 2013. Oh, I did notice that, man. That intro, yeah. TriStar horse with the wing. Oh, man. Yeah. It was glorious. <laughs> and uh, another fun casting one. Uh, Eli Roth was in the process of casting a movie when his friend Gina Gershon texted him and asked, when are you putting me in a horror movie? Roth responded, actually, Gina, I have a part for you right now. So uh, <laughs> timing worked out in both of our favors. So and she great to see her. It ever since. <laughs> yeah. Because she gets fucked up. All right, Jason, what's uh, what's your movie from your top ten list you made us watch? Hey, yeah. Well, it's uh, pretty amazing. I love it that there were two of these movies that came out this year, and we, and this is the lesser one of them, and but the, the other one was barely even mentioned at all in all of our year-end yeah. talk is barely discussed. Was it at all discussed? I don't... Only for a second, I think, when I oh, talked really? about this movie and when I did my oh, top 10. okay. This was my number 10, and it's The Pope's Exorcist. Whatever you do, you only do because God allows it. <laughs> did he allow that? Father Gabriele Amorth. On the night of June 4th, you performed an exorcism. That was not an exorcism. The majority of cases do not require an exorcism. 98% are recommended by him to doctors and psychiatrists. The other 2%, I call it evil. We have more questions for you, Father Mort. You have a problem with me. You talk to my boss, the Pope. There is a case that needs your attention. Take caution. There are secrets buried there. He's about to conceal. The church has fought against this demon before. The Vatican covered it up. We need to find out why. You've been played. You talk to fate. Whatever you do. You only do because God allows it. Did he allow that? Imagine what could happen if the devil possessed the soul of the Pope's exorcist. Who will defend you? My faith.
Father Gabriel Amut, chief exorcist for the Vatican, battles Satan and innocent possessing demons. A detailed portrait of a priest who performed more than 100,000 exorcisms in his lifetime. The Pope's exorcist. Yeah, like I said before, you know, it's. I think we all kind of passed on it because it just kind of looked like those well, straight-to-video kind of things. And then the exorcist believer was really dominating all, everything. All, and, I mean, for the record, I, I, this might come as a shock, but I liked that movie too. But Oh, okay. I mean, I don't, yeah. I don't know anyone else who did, but... Uh, I still haven't seen it, so... I think it's good. There's, I have, I have thoughts about it, but anyway, um, but I was so pleasantly surprised with this. The the original Exorcist is is my number two horror film of all time, which is crazy because I don't, I'm not really a god guy, and no, you that's, know, like it's always boggled so my weird. mind. You, oh, it's just that film is so you, powerful because you, well, uh, yeah, yeah no, the, movie, the movie, uh, the original Exorcist, worthy. yeah, 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 but you know, even. But even <laughs> anything that like, comes after it, like this one, for example, to be on your list. I know. The not a God guy, not a believer in hell and all that jazz. And then also the fact that you're anti-ghost movie, too. Anti-ghost right. movie is a little harsh. Possession, yeah, it's yeah. all uh, for sure. And yet, I don't know, there was just something about this movie. You could definitely tell it in the trailer. That score is amazing. Yeah. The sets were great. I even thought old, old what's-his-name was pretty good, you know, for a, a mumbling pope or exorcist-er. <laughs> <laughs> Russell Crowe. Yep. And, uh, yeah. Um, and, I, yeah, I just I really enjoyed the story. And just when I, you know, I was like, all right, that was an okay movie. Then it gets to the end. And that's where it like really took it to another level for me. Once they got down below, and there was you know some floaty person, at, you know like he's faced all that the climax of that film down there, and how, I'm like that. Then it really took it to another level of awesome for me. I thought that kid did a great job. I I liked all that. I mean I'm again I I, I don't I'm nervous about what you guys think though because. In my head, it's still that straight-to-DVD kind of shit film, perception-wise. And so I'm nervous if you guys liked it or not. But You should be. Oh, what'd you think? <laughs> Mike, you want to go first or you want me to go first? You can go first. This was my... Uh, it, it was better than The Exorcist Believer, slightly, for me. Um but it definitely just, I even it, it's like, still falls in that category to me of like, the nun and mm-hmm. the it's just there's so much of this coming out that this is why I didn't watch it in the first place, and so I was hope I, you know I didn't it wasn't even on my radar. Then I heard some good things from other friends and Jason watched it and put it in his top ten and I'm like okay, this might be worth watching. And I watch it and it's not, it's worth watching. It's not straight crap like it, but it still sort of feels in that vein of like, do we need more of these movies? I don't know, but at least this is based on like a real Pope. Yeah, I like that about it. It's a historical take. And Russell Crowe is a great actor. 
So I felt like he added some prestige to it. Mm-hmm. Um, the score was good. The cinematography was good. Some mm-hmm. of the CGI stuff was not great. Um, but still, like, I don't know. It's it's like a, instead of like a straight, it didn't feel like straight to video, but it definitely felt like it could be like straight to streaming, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Uh, it's not quite an asylum film, but not quite something I would have seen <laughs> in theaters. Um but not not bad. It definitely would not have made. I mean, sorry to spoil the the question at the end, Mike. But this definitely would not have made my top ten. But still, I can see why Jason loved it. And it for the amount of money they spent on the Exorcist Believer, uh, and this did a much uh, out of the two Exorcist films I saw this year, this one uh, did it probably like with a uh, quarter of the budget. So. Uh, Check it out, you know, if you're into that religious, uh, and, and it does a little bit something different, like I said, by making it based on a real thing. And, and towards the end, it gets a, a little bit better. I was like, at the beginning, I was like, oh, no, Jason made us watch another one of these, like, <laughs> the exorcism of a Kentucky Fried Chicken. Like, there's just a million of I'd these things. There, there's six of them every year, you know, about a yeah. kid that gets possessed and an yep. exorcist has to... And I don't watch any of those. I really don't. Because well, they look bad. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with you. Yeah. So maybe um, that's why you like this one so much. Yeah. See, that's that's what I was going to start off by saying, is I don't like these kind of movies, these possession movies, because they just... They're so formulaic and they're so, we've seen it over and over. I'm just bored with it. I am bored with it. It's it's not a, you know, a distance. It's not a disconnect because of the whole religion thing or anything like that. It's just, it's just, it does not seem interesting to me at all just because we've seen it. It's called The Exorcist. <laughs> it's been know, done 5,000 times afterwards. But and, and not being defensive, but that argument. You don't have to be. To... To a slasher, you know, to say Thanksgiving, you're like, it's just a slasher. Same argument, you know. Well, <laughs> someone could make that. I'm just could, saying, I'm could. Not. I'm not, yeah, I don't want to get into that because because <laughs> 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 it's going to turn, it'll turn into a thing. But, uh, but for me, like an exorcist movie is on the most generic level, it's child gets possessed. They can't figure out what's wrong with the child. They finally settle on bringing in a priest. You got the older priest who has his own issues, and then the younger priest who has his own set of issues. The demon exploits those issues, and the priests win. Yep. I'm not trying to be defensive, but I can boil down any of your slashers, too. To three sentences. He it's was like, dressed what? like a pilgrim. Jason Voorhees wears a hockey mask. There's oh, a difference. Oh, so different. <sighs> so different. You're right. Let me get to the good I stuff. Know. Okay. <laughs> Did Jason Voorhees uh. even know how capitalism works? <laughs> I mean, if you want to compare Thanksgiving to anything, it's the, I would say, the Scream franchise. Get to the but bad stuff. Go ahead, Mike. Anyway. Um, but, but, if you would have given me two more seconds. Yeah. But... I liked this movie. Whoa! There, so suck it. Suck it. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> why I'm, did I'm you just like kidding. it? What'd you I'm like? just kidding. I'll, I'll, because you seemed a little unsure why you like it. <laughs> right? No, you just said you weren't, you don't know exactly why, right? I liked it because, because it gives 
because it felt elevated over the, the direct-to-video to ones. Um, and it, I, I liked it because it put me, because it felt like The Exorcist. Okay. And then I thought the ending took it somewhere that none of the others did. I like the aspect that uh, even though all of those dot points that I mentioned before are there, it's it's the same thing. But there's also a mystery involved in it, dealing with the Vatican and, mm. and what's underneath. So you got that aspect of it that keeps me a little more intrigued than just watching a, a kid with scars on his face cussing out his mom. Um, but the clincher for me, and this is the, this is the big thing. Cause I'm not a Russell Crowe fan, but this like movie would, this movie would be oh. the same as those other yep. cookie cutter exorcist movies. If it wasn't for Russell Crowe and that character, yep. I could listen to him talk in that accent. He, he could read the phone book to me and I would be in heaven. It was his character was so cool, and it's not like you get with some of these other priests where it's they're having a crisis of faith, and this is what brings them back. This is a guy, and this is just like this is the um, ghost hunters of of priests here, <laughs> because he you know he believes that the evil is out there, but he's not an idiot, and he has an understanding of human behavior, and he's skeptical. And he's not gonna he's not gonna turn the other way when it's actually evil and Satan that's not real, but he's gonna debunk it first. Yeah, there's a level of cockiness yeah. to him that I love. Oh, and the cockiness yeah. is always cool when he's being interrogated by the oh, other. Fuck, oh, that scene was badass. That was awesome. That was so good. <laughs> so I loved his character, and I love how he's, you know, he's cracking jokes with the demon, or he's cracking jokes with the younger priest, and. Yeah. It's it's so inappropriate in the moment at times, but it's like you know, and he's he's just he's just so smart. That first scene where he's doing that other exorcist, which he you know Isn't. is fake, but he does the thing with the pig, which he you know, sorry for the animal violence, yeah. but uh, but I thought that was really clever. Yeah, like what a way to snap that guy back into reality. You know, just by playing it, playing along with it, and convincing this guy that the demon is now in this pig. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so that's it for me. Really, that's the big thing. Is is Russell Crowe, his performance, that accent, but that character. Mm -hmm. That character um, was one of the best priests in an Exorcist film since Max von Sydow. And but I also feel like you know. You know, blasphemy here, but uh, <laughs> more personality than Max von Sydow's character. Oh, yeah. So, sure. yeah. Now, unfortunately, Please, it no, wouldn't have made my no. it wouldn't make my top ten, but sure. it definitely would be a high honorable mention. I will say that. Nice. So yes, I liked it. So there. All right. Woo. What, what else did that director do? He's, he's known for something good. That's Was it Julius Avery, and he did Overlord. That's what I thought. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I remember that getting brought up last time. I just remember this movie just sort of came out of nowhere, like not a lot of yeah. advertising. And then when it did get advertised, people were like, "Oh, there's the studios like throwing this out to because there's nothing in theaters." And then people saw it and they're like, "Oh shit!" Like the guy from Overlord did this, and Russell Crowe's pretty badass in this. Uh, this was worth a watch. So, sorry, one more thing I, I wanted to say about 
Russell Crowe and that character. Um, I barely remember anything about the kid. That's how much his character overpowered the whole movie for me. You know, the the whole demon stuff almost was like insignificant yeah. compared to compared to what he you know him on screen. Uh, Tab, what trivia do you have for this one? Well, it's funny you ask because a lot of what you you said in your review of this comes up. So, uh, according to an interview with Daniel Zavato in his research, he found out that Doctor Amroth Amroth would often keep who's that who's are based on that uh, Father Amroth, who this Russell Crowe played. Yeah, would yeah. often keep a sense of humor when conducting exorcisms because. Though the devil enjoyed irony, he hated humor. The example of demons liking irony is prominent in the scene where the possessed child causes the cross to fall off the wall, saying, did God allow that? And the demon's disgust for humor is noticeable in the next moment when the child says, you can't hide behind your jokes forever, Gabriel. Yep. Um, and then uh, Russell Crowe met with personal friends of Father Amaroth, including one who had accompanied accompanied him to over 150 exorcisms in order to better know the character he was playing. While researching the life and work of Gabriel Amaroth, Russell Crowe discovered that his personal favorite movie was actually The Exorcist from 1973. So much so <laughs> that he became awesome. good friends with its director, William Friedkin, who later directed a documentary of Amaroth's work known work as an exorcist, which is called The Devil and Father Amroth, which came out in 2017. Nice. So William Friedkin did a documentary on the actual... God damn, now I kind of want to watch that. <laughs> right, I do. I, I'm like, I, yeah. let's watch that. Like, I want I want that, you know, as soon as I read that piece of trivia, I'm like, I am in for that, because that would be really interesting. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's what I have for trivia. Cool, cool. Thanks, Ted. Okay, my pick... Uh, is a film from 2023. I thought yeah, we knew somebody would chuckle. All right, fine. It's uh, We Have a Ghost. <laughs> We're all here trying to get a fresh start. Nothing like bad happened here, right? You moved into the house of death. Everyone says it's haunted. No, 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 don't go! I miss the nightmare. We have a ghost. Okay. No, I'm serious. Kevin caught him on camera. Oh, we gotta show mom. No, 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 no. The entire world is captivated with Ernest. Three million views in six minutes. That's money. <laughs> Our whole street's kind of mad thanks to you guys. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Not funny. I'm Kevin. That's so trippy. Can you talk? What happened to you? You don't remember? <laughs> Mystery. If we're gonna find out what happened, it's out there. Let's Our orders 
sort of apprehend the ghost. Light him up! Yeah. Being an outlaw suits you. Frank, is he here now? Ready to have some fun? Well, here's the thing. If I would have watched the trailer before watching the movie, I probably wouldn't have liked it after hearing that horrible rendition of Break On Through to the Other (laughs) Side. (laughs) Finding a ghost named Ernest haunting their new home turns Kevin's family into overnight social media sensations. But when Kevin and Ernest investigate the mystery of Ernest's past, they become a target of the CIA. So this is... Uh, horror comedy definitely probably more on the comedy side written and directed by my man Christopher Landon uh, you know freaky happy death day movies love recently him quit the new screen movie what's that said recently quit the new screen movie good for him it stars David Harbour love him too yeah. so maybe there's a lot of bias going into this movie when I watched his, it for the first time, his best role because I don't think he has any lines, right? Whoa! Maybe. Whoa. What are you trying I, to I, say? I'm just kidding. I love him too. <laughs> He's awesome. Anthony uh, Mackie is in it. You got Falcon in it, which is cool. Uh, Jennifer Coolidge shows up. I love her too. So anyway, so this is the second time viewing for me. Didn't hold up as well as the first time. I still thought it was funny. I still thought um, David Harbor was excellent in it. I loved how he could do a lot with no dialogue, you know, to be funny, to be emotional, you know, to, to bring the feels, all that stuff. Uh, I think what didn't hold up for me, and I'm, this may have even been in my original review, is that uh, tonally it's all over the place. It kind of jumps around a lot, but I feel like it does have some of that Christopher Landon things that he's known for by mixing of genres because the whole first half of this movie for me feels like and i know i've said this part before feels like some of those cheesy awesome live action disney movies from the 60s and 70s and the computer that wore tennis shoes cat from outer space you know what have you it definitely has that feel of like you know you see a ghost movie and it's that the ghost isn't necessarily a character that like walks around, sits in cars, you know, wearing his bowling shirt, whatever. Um, having, having all these human like interactions and like on those old early Disney movies, uh, it was kind of the same thing. You take an outrageous character and mix him in with real characters and silliness ensues chase scenes car chase scenes that kind of stuff that's all there and then when you get to the third act when the mystery resolves itself uh it gets dark it gets kind of dark in that third act and not as dark as i remembered it and i think i originally compared it to kind of like going from going from disney to italian giallo 
Uh, so I don't think it's it's that extreme, but you definitely get a lot more atmosphere in that in that final that final act. You know, you got the thunder and lightning going. Uh, the house is all dark and creepy. You don't know where the bad guy is at certain points. Um, so, and, and, uh, and for such a silly movie up to that point, such a tragic, such a, um, um, violent demise to the villain and violent demise really when you find out what happened to, uh, to Ernest in the movie. So I still liked it, but uh, I think it, it lost some points. May not have, may have either dropped. I don't remember where it was on my list. It would either have dropped down or maybe fallen off uh, my top ten. Well, Thanksgiving would have taken. Would have, it definitely would have bumped your, it down. Yeah, knocked your number ten down. So <laughs> it was your number ten. So. Oh, so yeah, it'd been gone. Thank you, Thanksgiving. So, but you, what'd you guys think? Jason, I uh, so it's not that I went into this wanting to not like it, <laughs> but I remember you talking about it, and I'm just like, and I, I think I saw the trailer, or at least you know until the autoplay, I got tired of it on you know Netflix, and I'm like, I'm, oh. I can't stand it, but you know, so like, it's not that I didn't want to like it, you know, but there's probably a little bit of that, like I'm gonna see this. I want to watch this, and I'm going to tell you why. Mike like recommended it. it. I'm going. Yeah, we're going to get it. He's but, actually making me watch a movie for once. But I freaking loved it. Well, I don't know about that, but I thought it was really good. Um, Thank you. I uh, well, by the end, I'm like, gosh dang, this movie, it got me. It's you know, that it's scene like by the lake there. It, the well, end? just the whole thing. It's 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 just a family fun romp of a time. Uh, it's like. Definitely feels Hallmarkian in so many ways, which you know I don't think that's a bad thing. It's just a sweet, sweet movie that just you know has ghosts in it and stuff. But my only everything I liked, I, I you know, because you know Kevin and Joy, those two getting you know those kids and their little love story. I, I mean, that was cute. I mean, all yeah. the time, which also felt kind of. Disney-ish. Yeah, definitely Disney, and and that that boy, they were great, uh-huh. and Tig's great. Um, but I, the only the only problem I I just didn't care for Anthony Mackie man-childing the internet, needing a YouTube channel sh- stuff. Yeah, and I, I'm like, yeah, I get it. Like I get, I can see why you're making that part of this motivational part of this. But what is it's it's a device to get us to <sighs> to plop plot B of the of the film but yeah. it's still yeah I but, I totally get what you're saying but I'm like this guy's like 45 why does he why is he still trying to start it? I don't know so why yeah why do I, I feel like he actually is like this in real life well there, there's probably that too but I think maybe part of it cuz you get that big speech of the dad gives the kid at the end in the attic which was great that I feel like I needed maybe more of his backstory. Why? Why did they move right. to this house? What has he failed as as a husband, a father, and yeah. you know, and a man to uh, get him into this position in the first place? And is all of his endeavors been such dollar sign in the eyes, money grubbing, least amount of effort possible by shooting a ghost video? Is that is that has been his whole life? Right. Or is he just falling from great? I think I needed more on his character in the first half. Wait a minute. And also, Tad, I don't sound like that. What do you? <laughs> why? We, God damn it! That's, you're such a 
such an asshole. Uh, and then David Arbor is amazing. And uh, so, yeah, I, when it was done, I'm like, gosh dang it, if this wasn't a Disney movie, it should have been. It's great. It's great like a Disney movie. So, it's good. Uh, yeah, probably, spoilers, wouldn't have made my top ten probably, but but I was like, dang it, it was good. Dang yeah. it. Yeah, it's fun. I see why Mike liked it. Thank you. All right. Yes, I, I, no, I didn't. I thought it was a lot of fun too. Uh, this is, I I liked, um, it's, it's a good like palate cleanser almost, you know, like, sure, yeah. Pope's Exorcist was very heavy and it has some, a little bit of humor to it, but more serious, uh, possession. We have Thanksgiving people getting murdered and stuff, and there's not people getting murdered in this. Uh, it's like Jason said, it's sort of like, it's something I could throw on with like my nephews or something and, uh-huh. and we'd, we'd all enjoy it, but it's not like that. That's a compliment. It's not like a bad movie that is like, this is made for kids. Like, no, this is one that can like be for everybody. And, uh, I, th- I thought it was a lot of fun. I really liked the, uh, the two brothers, the one who played guitar and was in the music and the other one, who sort of was like protective of his brother, but also gave him a hard time. Uh, you know, the whole family element was really cool. I just liked the whole family and seeing the, their sort of arc of going from like, he's the quiet moody kid who doesn't want to be there. And he meets this ghost. I mean, I know it's like sort of been done a million times, but uh, it's fun. I like that. And I, this was like just so easy to digest. Uh, yeah. How could you not smile while watching this and have yeah. fun? Like you could add it to the list of introducing it horror to kids. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, with the pre-warning is that you know that third that that third act gets a little dark. Yeah, when we find out what Ernest. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Heck of a turn there. Um, and Jason was right on um on our chat. Um. Any Ooh. movie that starts off with Alice Cooper. Yeah, I number knew one. it. God dang, I knew it. There's a couple good songs in this one. I was yeah. like, Netflix, you know, threw in some money on the <laughs> money on the music budget, which is cool. And uh, I, my only problem with David Harbour is that, like, you have a fun, great actor, and you spend most of the movie not giving him any dialogue where he can't talk. And I'm <laughs> like, it's frustrating because I'm like, and you make him look uglier than he is. He's a handsome motherfucker, and you give him yeah. this bad comb over. And really bad. But that's yeah. what I loved about it. Like, and if anybody could pull that silent performance off with that look, it'd be him. Yeah. And I, I agree with Jason where, like, I did not... Uh, Anthony Mackie's character, the dad, and maybe this was good writing. I don't know. I just sort of, like, thought he sucked uh, as Kinda. a dad. And, yeah. And, but... He almost like plays a similar character. Like I, I think of him. It's funny. A lot of people are like, I haven't seen uh, the new, the, not even new anymore, the Disney Plus Captain America series, um, which I think he's pretty prominent in. I've seen him in yeah. the Marvel films, uh, but I think of him. My favorite Anthony Mackie thing uh, is probably the night before, and. Mm-hmm. 
he plays like a cocky, arrogant football player, asshole friend in that one. And to me, I'm like, this is, that's his perfect role. That's him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because that's what he was like born to play. So when he's doing it, the same shtick as a dad, I'm sort of like, I fucking hate you when you're a dad. But when you're like a single douchebag guy, like I'm okay with it, but maybe that's part of it. I don't know. Yeah, uh, but he's, sure he's definitely, yeah, he, he's, I mean, but he's getting good stuff. Uh, yeah. He was in. Was he in Bill Lynch's movie a while back? The point. Yeah, blank? I'm trying to think of the. Oh other yeah. One. He was in. Uh, he's in Black Mirror. He's in. Uh, what was it? I have it here somewhere. Man, he was in like a a horror movie that came up a cup maybe last year or the year before, and I'm not seeing it on here now. But uh, where they like time travel. Um, do you know what I'm talking about, Jason? I think so. Wasn't he in the the guys who did yeah, uh, the Spring? Two, the two dudes. Yeah. 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 Oh, what the fuck's the name of that? Yeah. He Synchronic. Was in Synchronic. Yeah, he was really good in that. He was. That uh, was dramatic. So, oh yeah, and to me, maybe that and the night before, which are two polar opposites, and he <laughs> pulled them both off. Where in this, I, it's not probably not his performance. It's just yeah. like the way the character was written. Where I'm just like. He's an yeah. annoying. He he ma- makes me think of like Will Smith in a lot of his movies, where it's like he just has he can't turn the fucking cool guy switch <laughs> off, and I'm just annoyed by it. Like, yeah, be Mike's a fucking dad. Be a, can't turn it off. Yeah, just like just be a fucking dad. But anyways, a long rant to say. Uh, fun movie. I really enjoyed it. Would not have made my top ten, but uh, it's definitely something. Like I said, that I would throw on if like had my nephews over and they want to watch something that, and I don't want to watch what trolls or whatever. I'm like, let's watch this instead. <laughs> it, it might be a little too much for them, but, uh, you know, you got to break them in yeah. somehow. So, yeah. Cool. cool. All right. What, uh, what trivia do you have for this one? Let's see for this one. I have very little, um, but the one I did find was pretty interesting on November, 2017, Legendary won an auction for the screen rights to Ernest, a short story by Jeff Monog, published on Vice.com. So, basically, this short story, Jason, Mm -hmm. is adapted from a short story. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, Not a short film, a short story, though. There was was a big bidding war on this, and they ended up winning the story, which is called Ernest. And uh, they hired Christopher Landon to write and uh, direct it. And... Here we are. If Jim Varney was alive, would he have played oh, the ghost? Should have been John Cena. Because no one could see him. <laughs> Still waiting for the <laughs> earnest reboot with John Cena. Yep. <laughs> well, you have the double action because you couldn't see him. You know, the ghost. And, oh, jeez. Yeah. And he looks like... It was, and they would have fucking done that gag. You know. Oh, it. absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. All right, so there you have it. Folks, were we right with our picks? Did they convince you guys, the listeners, to uh, at change your top ten? <laughs> Did you even do a top ten, or are we just that nerdy? Oh, dudes! Uh, while when we started recording, uh, Brett sent me a list. He didn't wait for Tad's uh, post that's coming out tomorrow. He made his own list of the twenty-one films that we made all our top tens and he's already checking them off. He's like, I got nine left. I will, well, he's going to town. I think they did that last year they too, did. didn't they? Oh, yeah. Just, uh, 
Too cute. <laughs> yep. Um, so we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we will finish off the show with our final segments. Uh, first, you're going to hear a promo for our podcast network called the Prescribed Films Podcast Network. The PFPN is home to so many great shows, such as, since you mentioned it, mentioned it Brett and Tony with Abe and Ashlyn. Brett and Tony featuring Abe and Ashlyn is a podcast where four friends come to, together to discuss a set topic and then go randomly off topic in ways they never imagined. Uh, anyway, but I just listened to their latest episode, which was their year in review, um, kind of the, you know, the past and it's, it's pretty funny. It's a good show. Um, it's a good episode. Um, they are right. And you know, Mars attacks being probably one of the best films they talked about of the year. Um, and also I've learned that Abe really likes his stats. He does. So you can check them out in all the other shows at thepfpn.com. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, and it is time now to hear from you guys, the listeners. Here's Jason with a shout-outs. It's time for... Shout-outs! All right, we asked which horror films from 2023 unexpectedly made it into your top 10. That's very exciting. And we see that five people made a top 10 list. All right. Well, up first, we know it, Hot Rod Hutchinson. He's been going crazy. What did he say today? He 700 and some films he's watched this year? Lucky. A crazy person. Hot Rod says, if I hadn't listened to your top tens, I probably wouldn't have had Night of the Hunted. Mm, yeah. And When Evil Lurks. Also good. At his number three and number one spots. Oh, uh, respectively? Yeah. Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're welcome, Hot Rod. He says, they were in my shutter queue, but probably wouldn't have checked them out until much later. And I wouldn't have checked out P2 if he didn't remind me I hadn't seen it on his hey. his little horror group. So Look at oh, us all scratching each other's necks. <laughs> Up next, we got Lisa from the Bad Movie Bunny podcast. She says, I was pleasantly surprised by Totally Killer, which you can stream on Amazon. Sweet, yes. Turned out to be pretty good. Mm-hmm. Thanks, totally. Lisa. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Up next, we got Jacob McLaughlin. He says, I didn't expect to love knock at the cabin as much as I did. It's damn good. That's right. Just I mean, don't watch it before you Jesus, go on an no, airplane. Never. Why, Mike? Or go camping. I didn't know. Or go camping. Get or go camping. camping. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> or go Harry Potter. I don't know. Up next. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you love her. 
Up next, we got Nightmare Junkhead, our awesome podcast oh, pals wow. from the South. That's we haven't right. heard from them in forever. I cool. know. I miss those guys. Yeah. Greg and Genius. I wonder what shit they're going to spew. Here we go. We got Consecration. Was a nice surprise as we went in expecting a killer nun flick and walked away with something else entirely. Huh. And I know that none of us saw that. So, <laughs> damn it. Now we, and our on, back is scratched now. I've seen so. a trailer. I think it's on Netflix. It looks pretty rad. Cool. Well, if those guys say so, if they unexpectedly liked it, then there's a chance for us. Because those dudes are awesome. <laughs> and then uh, lastly, uh, we got attacker Casey Kelderman. He says, of the Screams from the Basement podcast, he says, just finished their top 10 list over on Screams from the Basement podcast and was so happy to have, I can't believe they said this, subspecies five blood rise <laughs> in my best of the year. <laughs> Casey, what is happening over there? They love their full moon over there, that's for they sure. They do. I mean, somebody has, somebody's buying them things. <laughs> it's because Dustin couldn't be on this year. That's... They had to fill in that void. <laughs> I believe, I, I think it was their show. They just had the, they just did an interview with the director of um, Bad CGI Gator, I think is the name of the movie. Uh-huh. It's, it's actually a pretty good interview. Oh, they did geez. a good job with it, but uh, and that director has done a crap ton of Full Moon, so they were gushing the whole time. I bet they were. Anyway, check out Screams from the Basement. They're nuts over there. <laughs> uh, and then uh, over the holidays, we were unable to uh, get our answering machine broken, so it still works. And here is this. Hey everybody, it's Hacker Brian here for my bi-weekly phone call, and welcome to 2024. Now, I'm not sure what this year is going to be like, but last year was actually a great year for horror, in my opinion. And if you listen to the last couple episodes, the guys from AOTKP had some great movies listed on their top ten. And it sounds like this episode they're talking about maybe some that snuck into their top ten that surprised them. And a couple that snuck into my top ten that really surprised me are When Evil Lurks. Bill, Tacker Bill, told me about that one. I'm not sure anyone should watch it more than once, but I probably will eventually. Another surprise, Five Nights at Freddy's. And it's only because I took my five-year-old to see it, and we had a blast at the movies, and we went to dinner, and it was just a great overall experience so it's a great memory that i will attach to that movie and probably my favorite movie from last year no it's not godzilla minus one dark harvest and i know tad likes this one and i think everybody should watch dark harvest and let us know what you think hope you guys have a good 2024 and take care bye bye Thanks, Godzilla. Thanks, buddy. What a sweet, sweet fellow there. Didn't sound drunk this week. That was cool. I know. It's a New Year's resolution. He's going to lay off the sauce. I only say that because he picked one of my movies. So, Oh, that, that does make sense. Yeah. Well, all right. If you also want to be cool like Brian Godzilla and uh, leave a voicemail, you can do that. It's easy. All you got to do is call these numbers. 
415-952-6857. If you have an old rotary phone, there's numbers next to there are letters next to those numbers. Dyslexia, that's cool. Um four one five nine five AOTKP. And I'm just telling you, like, don't let Brian hog all this fun. Like it's really easy to do. Like it's automatic. You can figure it out. No, yeah. Yeah, well, there's that. But no one's going to pick up. Like, you don't have to have that anxiety of making a phone call, you dirty millennials. You, you can make a call, and it's easy, and you should do it. And we won't say that you're drunk like we do with Brian. Yeah. We'll, we'll take it easy on you, at least for the first one. <laughs> yeah, give us a call. Uh, leave your voicemail. We'll play it on the show, and that is shout-outs. But we are not done yet. One more segment to go. It's time for Insane Picks. <laughs> I have seen hundreds of no-budget flicks. I have seen hundreds of zombie flicks. I have seen many no-budget zombie flicks, such as Dead Next Door, Zombie 90, Colin. None of them have the over-the-top comedy and bizarre energy as the Insane's picks for this episode. From 1997, the Zomcom Plega Zombie. Plague of Zombie is a shot-on-digital video zombie comedy gore fest from Argentina shot for around $120 by Pablo Perez and Hernan Saz. I hope I got anywhere close to that, right? Two 17-year-olds who were making their own films with their family's camera and decided to make their first major film project, a horror comedy about a zombie outbreak which occurs in their hometown. They both directed, wrote, and starred in the movie with their other filmmaking friend, Bertra Munez. The film follows Bill Johnson, John West, and Max Gibbs, who find themselves in the midst of a zombie outbreak in their hometown. The cause of the outbreak is an alien-engineered virus introduced into the local population meant to exterminate the human race. When a horde of zombies break into Bill's home, the three young men are forced to hide in the upstairs bedroom and must devise a way to kill the zombie invaders to survive. As a shot-on-video movie with no budget, it is a lot of fun and highly entertaining. For a group of 17-year-olds with no film experience, it's very well made. Now, granted, it does look like a lot of our old homemade movies that we shot when we were back in high school, but it is leaps and above leaps and uh, leaps and bounds above um, what we used to do. One of the things that separates it from so many other no budget films is that the camera is constantly moving, doing push-ins, pull-outs, handheld dolly shots. There is never a single static shot in the whole film. These guys saw evil dead way too many times. And even though the camera is constantly moving, it is completely handheld and it is never nauseating. So they do a really good job with their camera work. There is a lot of comedy in the film. Every joke is thrown at the wall to see what sticks, along with the gore. One moment, one moment in the movie, a fight uh, with the zombies turns into a full-on wrestling match, complete with a zombie referee. 
There is gore aplenty. One of my favorite moments is when a zombie's arm gets put through an exhaust fan on the side of the house, and the gore from the hand drains into a bowl into the kitchen, and another zombie shuffles into the kitchen and drinks from the bowl, a la eating the gruel scene in Bad Taste. I really feel like not only Evil Dead was a major influence on this movie, but Bad Taste as well. As a matter of fact, uh, some of the end music... uh, um, is literally sounds like it's lifted straight from, yeah. from bad taste. The makeup effects look good, really good for no money. Uh, the looks are, the looks of the zombies are unique and some of, some of the coolest zombie looks I've seen in a while because you get zombies, some zombies that are your standard gray zombies, but you get ones that are green, others that are red, even orange, yellow, uh, it's it's uh, very bizarre, but uh, works really well. The filmmakers used common household items such as cake mix and food coloring to do their zombie makeup. Plague of, Zom- <clears throat> Plague of Zombies was a hit and became a landmark film in the Argentinian independent film industry, as well as amateur filmmaking. It was also the first feature film about zombies made in Argentina. There are even two sequels. Plague of Zombie Zona Mute in 2001 and Plague of Zombies Plague of Zombie Zona Mute Revolution Toxica in 2012. There was even an American remake in 2021 called Plague of Zombie American Invasion. Plague of Zombie and the sequels uh, have been released on DVD and Blu-ray so you can you can find them but if you want to watch them for free, you can find the movie in full on YouTube and on Tubi. So that's Insane's Picks for this time. Check it out. Plaga Zombie. Cool. And I got to stress, it's Plaga Zombie. If you take type in Plaga <laughs> Zombies, you won't Uh-oh. find it. It it was a challenge finding research on this because I kept pluralizing zombies. Uh-huh. It would pull up like Plague of the Zombies every time. So that's it for this episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. But hey, don't cry. Aww. We're going to be back in two weeks. Yahoo! Or you could just become an attacker, and then you can hear us again next week on a bonus episode. That's true. Join theattackers.com. You can also find us on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, X, Threads, and Tickety Talk. And so that is it, folks. I want to thank everybody for listening. And we will talk to you on the next episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Oh no, could this be the end of? What? <laughs>